Okay, I wanna make a quick announcement before we get started here today. I am going to be speaking live. I am a featured speaker at this year's Flip Hacking Live. If you don't know about Flip Hacking Live, it is the absolute mecca of real estate events each year. It is a premier event. You will learn more at this event than you have learned at any other event all of them combined, I would predict, honestly. It is so amazing and packed with real learning, real knowledge, uh, experts in the industry giving away all their secrets to help you create a better business for yourself, to grow your business, or even to launch your business. I'm telling you, there's no better use of your time at any event than Flip Hacking Live. And this year, it's taking place on October 14th through the 16th, and it is in Orlando, Florida, and it's a live, in-person event. All of the COVID protocols are going to be observed, so if you're nervous about that, don't worry. They're not gonna pack you in like sardines. There's plenty of spacing. Uh, Face masks, obviously, are encouraged, and it is as safe as humanly possible, but I'm telling you, this is the event you need to go to. I am speaking at this event, and my talk alone, I think, is worth the price of admission. It's very, very inexpensive. Guys, you really owe it to yourself to go check this out. If you want to learn more, go to bestrealestateevent.com. That's bestrealestateevent.com. Go check it out. Go grab your tickets. I'll be there. I would love to talk to you in person and sit down and spend a little time, but I can't do that if you're not there. So go check it out. Get your tickets now. Can't wait to see you. When it, when it comes to picking goals, I would say first figure out what you really, really want. Because I think a lot of times, and this is kind of we're going down the, the road of you making a mistake that a lot of people are making, and that is asking other people to help you figure out what your goals are. Like, you know, it almost sounds silly, right? It's like, it's like I want to lose weight and then asking someone, what should my weight loss goal be? It depends. How overweight are you? How how in shape or how fit do you want to be? Like it's the same thing with with your business goals. I don't know what you want, so I, it's hard for me to set your goals. But uh, to answer the question in a way that is as best as I possibly can is figure out what you really want and reverse engineer it. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on the show today. I have another great Q&A replay for you. It was a lot of fun. Great, great episode, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, and we, we talked about some really cool, interesting stuff that I know a lot of you were thinking about. Uh, one of them was how to work with realtors, not only finding investor-friendly realtors, but once you find a realtor, uh, how do you get the most out of that relationship? And if you're referring deals to a realtor, how do you get compensated? And that's a big deal for uh, wholesalers who are we're constantly finding deals and most of them don't work for us as wholesalers. We know that. So a lot of times working with a realtor and passing those leads along to them is a great way to build that relationship. And how do you get compensated for that as a wholesaler? Also, we talked about setting goals for your business in this tough market that we're in. Uh, finding deals, right? Continues to be an issue. Finding deals for a lot of people are having a hard time because real estate's crazy, right? So prices are soaring. 
how do you find a deal that makes sense for you? And then how do you negotiate that purchase when you do find a deal, when you get into the home or you're talking to the seller, how do you best negotiate that deal? So that's some of the topics among others that we covered in this Q&A. It was a really good one. I think this is gonna be one that's gonna be helpful for a lot of folks. So get ready, sit down, grab a pen and paper and get ready to take notes. Here we go with the latest version of the Facebook Q&A replay. All right, guys, here we are live. We're back. I'm back. I'm, I think hopefully you're back. I mean, you're logged in here. I was a couple of minutes late. I apologize for that. Had a technical difficulty. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not positive it's not going to happen again. So we'll see how far we get with this. Um, thank you, guys. You know, we do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. I answer your questions. You can log on live. We can have these discussions back and forth. You can ask me questions live on the time that I'm actually here, or you can send me messages throughout the week. I get those. I kind of curate them. We, my team in the background kind of works on them, make sure that we're not you know, asking the same questions in different ways. And then we, we uh, bring those to these, to these live events so that you guys can get the answers to your questions. And sometimes you're getting answers to questions that you know, you didn't even know you didn't know. So it's, it's always good to log in so that you can really uh, take advantage and benefit from other people's questions that you probably uh, wouldn't even know to ask. So uh, that's what we do here. Also, let's see, I'm going to uh, click into the meeting myself so that I can see all of your questions. Yes, and I'm going to turn down my own audio because that's not necessary. Okay, here we go. Um, like I said, we get these questions throughout the week, and uh, it's always fun to see the questions that we get. And sometimes we get, you know, similar questions get repeated because people don't always hear all of the all of these lives, and so uh, we try not to ask or answer the same question too many different times. But I get it; not everyone sees every every one of these, and so if we're getting similar questions and we have, you know, we answer those again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And plus, you know, what do they say? You need to hear. Some something like, you know, five or six or seven times before it actually sinks in. So if any of these are questions that are similar to what we've heard in the past, it's probably not the worst thing. So we're going to do that. Uh, also, if you haven't already done it, guys, I, I, I have worked with investors for a number of years now, and I've watched many, many of them go on to huge success, huge success, um, create a lifestyle that they want, create financial freedom that they need and and just have a better overall life and what they really it's a life that they've designed and and they get out of that rat race. And so I really know what it takes to get that done. I did it myself and like I said I've helped countless people do that as well. And up until now I've never offered anything to you my listeners of just our real estate or people who follow me on social media. I've never offered anything that you could buy from me. Uh, that I'm that I put together until now because it's taken me a number of years to really feel like I really have dialed in what it is that you're struggling with as a, either a new investor or even an experienced investor. I know what the struggles are. I see the mistakes that people make time and time again, and I've put together something that I think will absolutely revolutionize your business. And it's called the Real Estate Find and Fund Blueprint. Finding deals and funding deals tend to be some of the biggest question marks and biggest hurdles that real estate investors have in their business. And I think that's unacceptable because um, 
because those are not problems that that should stop you. They shouldn't uh, be huge obstacles in your business. So we're all trying to find more better deals and, and fund everything, but there's a definite way to go about it to get the best results. And if this is what you're struggling with, if at all you're struggling with deal flow, and maybe you have some deal flow, but you know, maybe you're paying a lot for your marketing or whatever. Like they're not the best deals in the world. We need to find better deals for you. And if you're struggling to find the funding or nervous that you haven't even tried to find deals because you don't think you can get the funding, that's a problem we need to solve for you right now. So that's what I plan to do. If you go to find and fund blueprint, you can go check out the program. I've made it incredibly, almost laughably affordable. It is so, so, so inexpensive. And I poured my heart and soul into it. And I want it to be accessible and affordable to anyone who even remotely is serious about their real estate business. You should go check it out. Go to findandfundblueprint.com, get signed up. And I want to see you. The program starts soon. So go and, uh, and check that out. Okay. Let's get into today's questions, the stuff that came to me. If you're logged on now, um, uh, go, uh, and ask, ask me questions live. Go put them in the chat right now. Uh, Hey, Jonathan, what's up, man? Hope all is well as a whole say. Okay. So first question, I'm just going to read it right off the screen. Cause somebody logged in here, uh, who I know and, uh, how's it going, man. And is asking questions. So hello, Mike, hope all is well as a wholesaling. Uh, how do you get compensated when referring leads to a realtor and what would that compensation look like. I've had pushback from them telling me they can't pay unlicensed people. Um, yeah, they can. So I've worked with a lot of realtors, and you know, it's not a it's not a super 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 profitable part of my business. But we do get leads that are retail leads. They just they're not they're not it's they're not in a position to sell to us. Maybe because of what they owe on their property, or you know, they're just not super motivated to sell to someone for cash at a discount. So we get these leads because if you think about it, as a as a as a wholesaler or anybody who does any sort of marketing for leads, it's a it's a numbers game. We always say that, right? I've I've probably told you that specifically. It's a numbers game, and what that means is you have to do a lot of marketing to get a few calls, which turns into even much fewer actual leads and deals, right? So it's almost like a filter system. So somewhere along that filter, you're getting retail leads. And it's usually right before like you get a lead that you could go on an appointment. Or sometimes you even go on those appointments because they seem like they might be something and it turns out they're retail leads. So those retail leads, a lot of times will pass them off to a realtor. And what a realtor typically does, this has sort of been what I've heard from other people too, it's what we do is they get their 3% commission, whatever they have with their broker. And typically it's 3%, right? So I'm a realtor, I sell a house or, or act as the buyer's agent. I get a 3% commission. The realtors that we've worked with give us 25% of their 3% commission, right? Um, so if their 3% commission comes out to $1,000, we get $250 just using easy numbers, right? Um, if their commission is $10,000, we get $2,500. So 25% of whatever commission they get, that's that's the agreement of what they give us, right? So that's how we do it. That's how I've heard other people in my market do it. And then frankly, that's how I've heard other people uh, in the seven-figure flipping group, which I'm a part of. Uh, that's how a lot of folks in that group have done it as well. Now, it's whatever you work out with them because they can pay you a finder's fee. I mean, you don't have to be a licensed realtor for them to compensate you, right? They're just really cutting you a check off of the check that they get. They can pay anybody they want. So if you're getting pushback, 
I wouldn't even argue it. Like, don't even argue it. Just go to somebody else. Go to a realtor that gets it. Okay. And, and there are realtors out there that get what we're doing. They understand the value, by the way, of not having to have had to pay for that lead themselves. Because a lot of realtors do direct mail and all kinds of other marketing too, and they have to pay for it. They understand the, the good ones, understand the value of what you're bringing to them. You're bringing them a free lead. And if you simply can't find someone to pay you uh, off of their commission, then maybe ask them, a, uh, say, hey, okay, that's fine. But then I'll send you leads and you pay me for them and just come up with a dollar amount. It's 50 bucks a lead or whatever, whatever it is that you can negotiate. So there are ways to, monet to monetize those retail leads that you're getting. Um, typically, people just get paid when it closes. It's easier for the realtor too, right? It closes, they get paid you know, $1,000, you get 250 bucks straight, right? I've heard people getting up to 30%. I've not really heard much beyond that, but um, it's whatever you can negotiate and they can absolutely pay you that. If, they, if they're saying they can't, it's because they don't want to. And it's because they're short-sighted. They probably have real, you know, um, you know, they're pretty close-minded about abundance mentality. They have kind of a, a you know, scarcity mentality. They're not, they don't want to, well, you know, why would I pay you? You're not a realtor. I mean, you're bringing them free leads. You're, you're handing them, you know, leads that can make them a lot of money. If they're not willing to pay for that, I'd move on to somebody else, frankly. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. The, some of the questions we got through the week, let me just start here at the top. <clears throat> and as I'm looking at these, some of these are sort of long questions. So I have just gotten my first fix and flip deal under contract. I plan to do this as a side gig until I have a year's salary saved. It's exactly what I did, by the way. I am trying to put together some uh, reachable, but aggressive goals for the next year in this challenging buyer's market, how would you suggest I establish these goals? Um, it's a really tough question because it really, everybody's different. Everybody, you know, what you consider to be aggressive, I might consider to be conservative or super easy, or maybe the other way around, you know, what you consider to be aggressive, but attainable, I might consider to be completely you know, obnoxious and completely impossible, right? So it's so subjective, but when it, when it comes to picking goals, I would say first figure out what you really, really want. Because I think a lot of times, and this is kind of, we're going down the, the road of you making a mistake that a lot of people are making. And that is asking other people to help you figure out what your goals are. Like, you know, it almost sounds silly, right? It's like, it's like, I want to lose weight. And then asking someone, what should my weight loss goal be? It depends. How overweight are you? How how in shape or how fit do you want to be? Like it's the same thing with with your business goals. I don't know what you want, so I, it's hard for me to set your goals. But uh, to answer the question in a way that is as best as I possibly can is figure out what you really want and reverse engineer it. So I've done this before on stage. I have a whole presentation about if you want to make a million dollars here's how you can reverse engineer that. Like if I want to make a million dollars, that starts with um, how, how, okay, for example, for a wholesaler, my average contract is like $15,000. So if I want to make a million dollars, I got to figure out how many contracts that is. And then I need to know how many appointments it takes me to get a contract. And then how many leads does it take me to get an appointment? And then how many calls does it take me to get enough leads to get an appointment? And then how much money does it cost me to get one lead? And so how much money do I have to spend, right? I go, I, I reverse engineer what I want. So if you, 
let's just say you make $100,000 and you want to replace your income, right? One year salary, and you want to do that within a year. Well, okay, you make $100,000. The average flip, let's, and I don't know where you live or, or what kind of you know flip returns people expect to get in that area, but let's just say your average flip is a $25,000 profit flip. Like that's just what, what you should expect, what's reasonable in your area. That means you have to do four flips within the year. Well, if you're gonna do four flips within the year, how are you gonna get those leads? Are you gonna go to wholesalers? You're gonna go to realtors? Are you gonna do your own marketing? So you have to start going down that path, but think about it first. I wanna make $100,000 in a year. And that means because you know most flippers in my area are telling me they're getting about $25,000 you know, profit after the deal's over with, I got to do four deals. So that, so maybe that's your goal, right? I want to do four deals. But if you're saying I want to double my, I want to double my, my nine to five income, I want to double that. And, you know, half of it will be used to put back in my business and the other half will be put in the bank so I can save one year salary. Then you have to do eight deals, right? So you have to start thinking about what are your actual what is it you're trying to achieve? Build the goal around that and then work backward from that goal. That, that's how I would do it. Sometimes people throw just weird arbitrary numbers at, at the wall and they go, I want to do 20 deals. And it's like, well, what is that going to mean in dollars and cents to you? I don't know. I just 20 sounds great, right? I don't know. How many did you do last year? If it was zero, I mean, 20 is attainable for sure, but you better come up with a plan. You can't just have this. It's like when people say, I want to lose 50 pounds by the end of the year and they don't make a plan to work out or to run or to change their diet. It's like, you know, you have to reverse engineer that. If you want to lose 50 pounds in a year, don't wait until October to think you're going to get there. You could, but it's not smart. You need to figure out if I want to lose 50 pounds in a year, what does that mean per month? What does that mean per week? What does that mean on average per day? And that's how, you know, you kind of break it down into smaller chunks. So I would come up with the big goal. I want to make $100,000 off of real estate flipping. And that means four deals for me, which means one deal a quarter, which means, you know, I, I, you, you sort of start learning the cadence of when you have to get that first deal. Uh, that's how I would do it. But just be careful that you don't look at other people and their goals and make that your goal. Like figure out what it is you really want and then build a goal around that and go backward from there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rob Badhorn, what's up, man? How you doing? You're driving to get data. What does that mean? Don't you have a computator where you just type in, type in numbers and it spits out, spits out data for you? you? You're not driving and picking up a briefcase full of data, are you? I don't think that's what you're doing. Uh, Rob Badhorn, uh, leadfusion.com. I'll give him a little plug. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he has a skip tracing company, Lead Fusion with a Z, not an S. Uh, best skip tracer in the world. And uh, evidence of that, he's, he's out right now working and trying to collect data for people. So uh, what's up, Rob? Thanks for, thanks for saying hi. Okay, uh, next one. Let's see. How do I go about finding investor-friendly realtors if I'm a new investor in a different state I plan to break into? Um, the best way to do it and the easiest way to do it is to go to your local RIAs. Go to your meetups, go to your RIAs, go where real estate investing is being talked about and there's networking because inevitably there will be realtors there. And because they're there, by their very presence at that event, 
they are very likely to get what it is you're trying to do. And more importantly, that they get what you're trying to do, they get the value of the relationship with you. So I would say number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 answers go to meetups and RIAs, go to where the networking and the real estate investing network is happening. Um, other than that, you can reach out to realtors that are in your market that you see on Zillow or whatever, you know, you look at a house on Zillow, like maybe one that you would want to put an offer on and you scroll down and there'll be like some realtors listed there. Give them all a call, take them out to lunch, tell them what you're doing. That's to me, that's like old school. It's nothing wrong with it. Like good old fashioned relationship building. That's fine. The problem is you could end up going out on 10 lunch appointments and only find one realtor or maybe none who actually are interested in working with investors and they understand the value of working with investors. But if you go to a RIA or a meetup or someplace where there's a networking opportunity for real estate investors and there's realtors there, man, they get it. They're there because they want to create relationships with you. And so it's probably a better use of your time, frankly, to find realtors. That's what I would do if I was looking for investor-friendly realtors. Also, talk to other investors and just find out who they have used and who they like and who gets it. They'll you know, usually tell you it's no skin off their back usually. So that's what I would do. All right. Uh, I am struggling to find deals. Next question. I'm struggling to find uh, deals. Uh, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I don't know if, if, yeah, okay. We're putting, we put Rob's, uh, uh, lead fusion, um, website up there. So you can click on that. Uh, okay. I am struggling to find deals after following the advice you have given here on your podcast. Can you provide me some more approaches? Um, without knowing what you've, I've talked about a lot of things to find deals on my podcast and on here and on other people's podcasts, but let me tell you, the, the ways that I have found are the most successful for me. And, you know, there, this is like a whole, like, honestly, this is what my program is for, to be quite frank with you, because this question is very um, common. And there's like a bunch of qualifying and a bunch of questions that I would want to ask this person to dig deeper into this question. Because to, to say, I'm not getting leads and I followed your advice, it's like, I've been talking about this uh, in public nonstop for a decade and really nonstop for about six years. And so I don't know what advice you followed specifically. And then when you follow my advice, there's also the element of how well did you follow it, right? And that sounds maybe mean, but it's the truth. So there's nuances to this, but that's exactly what my program is, the Find and Fund Blueprint. If you go to findandfundblueprint.com, I can really dial into this with you, but I'm going to do my best to answer right now for you as best I possibly can. So the best ways that I have found for me to find deals in my market, and oh, by the way, this is some of the best ways that people are finding deals all over the country. How do I know? Because I've talked to thousands of investors over the last five or six years, and I know what's working for them. And here they are. Here are some of the big, like the biggest, most successful ways to find deals in, in any market. Okay. Um, well, the MLS is huge. If you're, if you're a flipper, the MLS has a lot of deals. It's a hot market right now. So the MLS is a lot more challenging. But I would say number one way I have found that people find deals is direct mail. Number one, it's, it's of the 600 or so deals I've done in the last six years, 70, 65 to 70% of them 
maybe even a little more have been direct mail. So that's by far my most successful marketing strategy and channel. Number two, pay-per-click, Google AdWords, right? You type in sell my house fast in Michigan, you go to Google and type that in. The first three, four, five responses are all going to be Google uh, pay-per-click ads, right? People are paying, they're, they're, they are, um, um, paying to be in that, in that position, right? They're um, basically, they have a budget and, and they spend money to, to show up first. So pay-per-click has been really successful. And over the last year, like since COVID, year and a half, it's been more successful than direct mail. It's taken over as my number one lead source. So that's a good one. Another great way to find deals and find leads in your market in most markets is cold calling. Cold calling works. I know people who do that exclusively to find deals. I know people who do that in large part to find their deals. I know people who are getting a deal here and there from, from cold calling. Um, so it absolutely works. It's just how well does it work for you? How well are you executing on it, right? Because I can tell, so I can teach you anything. Let's just go to sports. I can teach you maybe the fundamentals of baseball. Not everyone plays baseball the same. Some people execute at a higher level than other people. So because you may have heard me say direct mail is a great way to get leads, and then you go out and do direct mail and it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work for you. It could mean you you didn't like implement it correctly. There's maybe some parts, some steps that you missed because you heard me on a podcast or on something like this where I didn't have the forum and the time to really lay it out 100%. I'm sort of giving you the highlights of it because it's just that kind of environment that we're in right now with what, what I'm speaking to you. Um, but direct mail, I've seen it not work for people. I get involved in what they're doing. I take a look at their mail piece. I take a look at what they're saying. I take a look at the way it looks. And we make tweaks and then it starts working for them and it starts working in a big way. I have done that for people where they're like, it's just, it's not working. I'm not getting leads. And we go in and we kind of problem solve it and it, and it starts working. So direct mail is great. Pay-per-click is great. Cold calling can be really, really good. Um, text blasting, ringless voicemail. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people are doing that exclusively and getting tons of deals. Some people are doing it and getting tons of deals. Don't get me wrong. I know people getting tons of deals from texting specifically in ringless voicemail, but I don't hear often that that is like the, the workhorse and it's getting them 10 deals a month. I don't usually hear that. But the great thing about text blasting, ringless voicemail, bandit signs, door knocking even is it's so inexpensive. It's so, so, so inexpensive. So if you don't have a budget for marketing, those are some great ways to do it. Now, one way that I didn't talk about, that's also a really, really great way to find deals, but it only works if you're a house flipper or a landlord. It doesn't work if you're a wholesaler. And that is finding deals from wholesalers. Very hard, if not impossible, as a wholesaler to buy deals from other wholesalers and make money. It's possible if you find a wholesaler that's getting a lot of deals and they're selling them way too cheap. I suppose you could use arbitrage. You get that and you sell it to somebody else, but you got to be careful um, about selling other wholesalers deals. I would say buy it and then resell it if you're going to do that. But anyways, that's not the way you want to go. If you're a flipper though, or a landlord, 
wholesalers absolutely should be one of the ways you're looking for deals. So the person who asked this question, if you're listening or if you watch this on replay, if you are a house flipper, you should be really, really, really making sure you're on every single wholesaler's list in your market, every single one, not just the good ones or the ones you think are good or the ones you've heard about, all of them, because even bad wholesalers stumble upon a good deal from time to time. So you want to see everything that everybody has. So if you're a flipper, wholesaling is great, uh, or wholesalers, I should say, are great. Direct mail is great for everybody. Pay-per-click is good for everybody. Cold calling can be great for everybody. Text blasting is really inexpensive. Ringless voicemail, really inexpensive. Bandit signs, really inexpensive. Door knocking, free, basically, just your time and, and your gas money or whatever. So those are probably some of the more common ways that I hear people uh, getting it done. Listen, I know somebody in Southern California, a friend of mine, his name's Jesse, Southern California. He, when I met him, he was doing 80 deals a year in Southern California flips, no marketing budget, no money spent, all relationships. He got to know realtors. He, he took them out to lunch. He took them to dinner. He spent time. He really spent time on the relationships and was getting 80 deals a year from relationships, right? So don't tell me there's no deals out there. They're out there. It's just you have to either work harder, implement better, or 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 change your approach because because they're out there for sure. Okay, a little bit of tough love there, but that's that's the honest to god answer. Okay, um, let's see here. Question from Jamie, Jamie Lima. Hey Jamie, uh, let's see. Hey Mike. What key points do you analyze in small apartment complex? Eight units before making an offer. I live in Wisconsin. Jamie, 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 I'm so excited that you're here and that you ask me questions, but I don't buy apartment buildings. So I'm not the right guy to ask. However, however, I can help you. Um, if you shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, I have some friends that are absolutely the best, best multifamily investors on planet earth. And I can direct you to them and they for sure can help you. And I would be doing you a disservice if I helped you because I know some stuff about buying small apartment complexes, but I'm not the guy, I'm not the expert. And there's nothing I hate more than people who give answers when they clearly don't really know. Uh, and I don't ever be that guy. So I love that you're here. I love that you're asking. If you shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and say, hey, this is Jamie from the q and I will do my, I will personally make an email introduction to the best multifamily investors on planet earth and make that uh, introduction so you can ask them a question and they'll help you. I know they will. They're great people. Uh, okay. Next question. With the market this hot, I, uh, I am missing out on tons of deals that I have made offers on. Can you talk a bit about the process you go through to negotiate a purchase price for buy and hold investments? Negotiating a purchase price for buy and hold investments is no different than negotiating a purchase price for a flip or for a wholesale deal. So I'm going to discard, discard uh, the buy and hold part of the question because it doesn't really matter. It's just all sales, right? This is a hot market. I had this conversation literally uh, yesterday. I was interviewed on a podcast that will come out on Monday, and I will I will be announcing that on my on my email and on my show and all that. I'll I'll tell you guys who it was, but uh, I was on a show, and we were literally talking about this. That what their question to me was it's similar. It was, are you finding deals harder to get? And when you get them, are they not as good at deals as they used to be before the market got really hot? And you know the short answer is yes and yes, but the reality is 
it's only yes, kind of. It's not, it's not that that simple because what I told them and what I'll tell you is if we the market being hot just means that people are selling their houses at a higher price on the MLS, right? That's what we're all tracking is the MLS. When we say it's a hot market, all the data you're hearing is coming from around the country, the various MLS, how many houses are on the market, what's the average days on market. What's the average sale price versus last year, last quarter, last month, whatever, right? It's all MLS driven. It's all like core logic, basically that, you know, the big conglomerate is, is getting all this public information, but it's mostly MLS data. So the thing is, is as a real estate investor, we are not, even in a slow market or a market that's not hot, we're not buying from people usually who aren't highly motivated to sell. In other words, three years ago, it wasn't as hot a market. Two years ago, it wasn't as hot a market. But we still weren't buying from people who had no motivation to sell at a discount. If they had, if they had plenty of time and they weren't in a hurry and they wanted to get top dollar and there was nothing going on in their life that was forcing them to sell it fast to someone who can pay cash and there's nothing wrong with the house, it's in great shape. We weren't buying those deals two or three years ago, really anyway, not really, very rarely, we were buying from people who had a job transfer and had to sell fast, had a job loss and had to sell fast, were going through a divorce, had to sell fast, had a property that had just a lot wrong with it, roof caving in, foundation issues, mold issues, and they just didn't know what to do about it, couldn't deal with it, didn't have the money to fix it, whatever the case may be, and they had to sell it to us. Sometimes there's a death in the family and a house is inherited. They have, you know, they don't want to deal with it. They have to sell it to somebody and they just want to hit the easy button. All of those things that I just told you are still happening in our world, even in a hot market. All those things are happening, right? So if you have a house that is has is just complete disrepair. It's just a million problems with it. Mold, bad foundation, bad roof, windows are falling out. Hot market or not, they're not selling it on the MLS. They're not selling it for top dollar. It's in bad shape. They have to sell it to us because we're the only people who will deal with that as real estate investors. If you have someone who, you know, had a job loss and they can't afford their house anymore, they may want to sell it fast. Maybe they're about to be behind on their on their mortgage and they don't want bad credit or whatever. You know, they have to move because they got a different opportunity, a job transfer, whatever it is, and they have to go fast. Even in a hot market, it still takes time to go through the mortgage process and the underwriting and the appraisals and and the inspections and then the renegotiating after the inspections. Like you're not selling houses in two weeks, even in a hot market through the MLS with a traditional mortgage. You're just not. It's still, to, and because it's a hot market and people are, the interest rates are low, people are refining. And so the mortgage companies are backlogged. They're really, really busy. I just bought a personal residence. I did. And it took me 45 days to get through the, the underwriting and the closing process to actually close on the house. It takes time. And I was pushing them. So, you know, it can take 45, 60 days maybe to get through that process. If you need to sell your house in two or three weeks, you have to sell it. You need the money. You need to move whatever it is. You're going to go to an investor. So even though it's a hot market, it's still the people are still the people that we buy from. If you're trying to push someone who has a house that's in great shape and they're in no hurry to move and you're trying to push them to sell at a discount, it's going to fail. They know they can make more on the MLS, but guess what? It would have failed three years ago too. Still would have failed. 
right? It still would have failed. So you just have to focus on really digging into their motivation. What's the pain point? What is it that's going on in their life or going on with the house that's forcing them to have to sell? That's what you focus on. If you're focused on the price, you're going to lose. And if they're focused only on the price, you're never going to buy it, right? It's just That's just the way it's always been. So I get people get really caught up in the market cycle. Where are we at in the market cycle? And I get it. We have to know. We have to make adjustments to our game a little bit. Yes. Are there some houses that we may have gotten two years ago that we don't get now because that person is on the fence of whether or not and they, they decide to wait and just sell it on the MLS? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to lose some deals. On the fringes, we're going to lose deals, which means our overall deal count could go down. And there are going to be some people who they want a little bit more for their house and we pay them a little more because we know when we go to flip it, the market is really, really hot and we're going to really improve it. And, and the market may even go up a little bit after we buy it. So we pay we pay a little more as investors sometimes because frankly, sometimes because we, we hit the easy button, we know the market's hot. We know it's probably going to appreciate over the next four or five months. And so instead of haggling over that last five or $10,000, we just say, fine, let's just do it. Right because we know it's a hot market. So sometimes the reason we're paying more is not because of the market. It's because we are letting the market affect our how sharp we are in our negotiations and how laser focused we are on that whole process of, of finding the pain points and you know and working on what it is that is really their problem and really solving that problem. Uh, and this can happen in any market. So we're, pay attention to the seller's motivation. What is it? What is it that they're struggling with? What is the house struggling with? Why do they want to sell? Why don't they just sell on the MLS to begin with? And when you find those things out, that's when you go to work on solving their problems. And that's how you get deals. It's not really the market. It really isn't. I mean, right now in my business, we have the deal flow that we had before the pandemic, right? In, in the, over the last three years, we're having one of the best quarters that we've had in like three years. Right now, we're having it. In this super hot market, we're getting all kinds of deals because we're just focused on fundamentals. We realize everybody has life events and problems that, that force them or, or you know push them into calling us and our marketing. And, and we're closing those deals because we're focusing on sales. We're just focusing on what we know works and what focusing on their pain points and how we can fix that for them. And then we talk about price. You don't come in the door talking about price. And if you do, or if they do, that could be trouble because the people we buy from, the, the price of their house is not their number one priority. It's solving a problem. And so you have to find that problem. Okay. Next question. I finally have my first rental property ready to rent. Awesome. Congratulations. Since I will be self-managing, what are some things I need to put on a regular schedule to perform? Um, all right. A couple of things or some things that come to mind here is um, certificate of occupancy. If you live in a town or the house is in a town where the city requires a certificate in order for you to rent that and someone to occupy it, make sure that's up to date. Know when that is expired so you don't get in trouble with the city. Um, you know, little maintenance things. And sometimes the renters are responsible for like cleaning out the gutters, um, furnace filters, those kind of things. Hopefully you're making your tenant responsible, but you should still go and make sure it's being done every once in a while. 
Um, make sure that uh, you make sure you have insurance on the property. You should be checking rates to see if you can get better rates anywhere else. That's always a good thing to work on. Your smoke detectors, some of those safety features that you as the landlord are responsible for going and doing at least yearly checkup to make sure the batteries are working, make sure the tenant hasn't disassembled it or taken it off the wall because it was beeping and they were too lazy to change a, a battery. Um, yeah, and in and, and market rent, like make sure that you're you're checking the market rent and that you're charging the current actual like market rent. Uh, I've had properties for about four or five years. And I know some of them I'm probably under market rent. I need to go back and adjust those at the next renewal of the lease. I need to adjust the market rent. So little things like that, I would pay attention to um, track your maintenance and just sort of over time, understand how much you're spending on maintenance in a year so that you can hold back a certain amount of money every month out of the cash flow of the rent so that you always have that money in reserve. So you're not pulling it out of pocket to make, you know, minor repairs. Um, know the, the, uh, the lifespan of like your roof and your hot water heater and your furnace and your air conditioning, make sure you understand when those could possibly, um, go bad, you know, roofs have 20, 30 year life or whatever, you know, if it's, if it's in year 28 of a 25 year roof, you know, you really good chance. You're going to have some leaks. You're gonna have to deal with that pretty soon. So, um, those kind of things you want to just pay attention to just little stuff like that. Uh, next one, what is the best way? to, uh, I'm sorry, what is the best way to finding a good contractor for your flips? What specific attributes should I be looking for? Boy. Um, so one of the ways that I've, I've always heard, I, I personally have never done this because I'm not flipping as much as I used to, but one great way to do it is go to Home Depot early in the morning, go to Lowe's six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning and approach the contractors that are at the contractor uh, checkout area, like go in there and just start having conversations and ask them if they're, if they're quoting other stuff, because if they're at home Depot, if they're at Lowe's at six, six 30, seven o'clock in the morning, they're actually going to jobs. Like they're getting up and they're actually showing up to the job sites. You can also, as you're driving past a house, that's clearly being renovated, stop in, find out who's in charge, talk to them, get their information, bring them out to your place. But the great thing about finding contractors and one of the coolest strategies I've ever heard of and that I've done myself is let's just say you, you, you know, over time you find a really great roofer. Let's just say you find a great roofer. He always shows up on time. Uh, he, the price is what he says it's going to be. The price is super competitive. His work is fantastic. Like you just, everything about this guy, you think he's great. Ask him if he knows any electricians, any plumbers, any rough carpenters, um, any cement people, right? Any window people that he thinks are really, really great that he's worked with or worked around, that he thinks they do great work, that they always show up. Like, ask them. They, the people that you love as, as subcontractors usually know other subcontractors of other disciplines that are really, really good that they will be, tell you about. And one kind of a, it's sort of a silly gimmicky thing, but I've heard of it and it probably could be very useful is you, you find that, that contractor that you love and you say, I'll give you $50 if you open up your phone right now and give me a plumber, an electrician, a window person, a rough carpenter, whatever, a drywaller that you think is really, really good. I'll give you 50 bucks. If you open up your phone right now and give me all those contact all those contacts, like out of your phone right now, like it's sort of gimmicky and cheesy, but it, it works, right? Cause if you go up to him and say, Hey, when you get a second, can you send me all your best contacts? And, and then you walk away. It's like, 
I, I wouldn't do it because I would forget. It's like, I, I don't have time for that, right? But if somebody walked up and said, I got 50 bucks, here you go. Open up your phone. Let's do it right now. Shoot me the contacts of these people. It can be very, very effective. So I, I would do that. But what attributes are you looking for? I mean, that they, they're on time, that they do what they say they're going to do, and they charge you a fair price. That's it. That's all you care about. Like, that's all you're, it's all you're really ever going to know about them, probably. And, and, and not to be mean or sarcastic, but anything more you find out is probably more than you want to know anyways, in a lot of cases. And that's not necessarily negative that they're bad people, but I mean, how much of their life do you really want to know about? You want to know that they show up, they do a good job, they do what they say they're going to do, and they charge you a reasonable price and they stick to that price and they stick by their work. If there's a problem, they come back and they fix it. Like those are the attributes. Those are the best things about, you know, good contractors. Okay. Next question could be the last one. I'm just looking here. Um, Let's see. Okay. Uh, the market last one, uh, the market was on fire the past few months. The market's been on fire for a year or more, but have you been paying these outrageous high prices? How can I compete? No, I'm not paying outrageously high prices. Uh, like the, a couple questions earlier, we pretty much covered this, but you compete by actually doing the work, putting out the marketing, answering the phones when people call in response. You'd be surprised how many people put up bandit signs or send direct mail or do some kind of marketing, maybe text blast or ringless voice. Like they're doing marketing, but they're not answering calls when they come in. They're not responding quickly to people. Let me tell you something. This is a hot market. And so if you send out a postcard, chances are that person who received your postcard received five other ones the same day or 10 other ones that week. And usually, unless your card stands out as being exceptionally great, they're just picking the top one and they're, they're making calls, right? If they get to you and it's a voicemail or it just rings and nobody answers, they're going to the next card and that person may answer. So answer your phone, respond to anybody who reaches out because of your marketing, do the marketing, right? Don't, don't just you know, some people look on the MLS and like, ah, everything's too high. There's nothing out there. The MLS right now is it's traditionally it's a, it's a fine way to find properties, but right now it's hard because everything is really, really expensive. So you should be setting up meetings with realtors because not because you want to buy off the MLS, but because you, for example, I just bought a house. I said, right. The realtor that I worked with to buy the property. Yes. I worked with the realtor to buy because they handle a lot of headaches on the buy side that I didn't have time or didn't want to deal with. But once it was over with, she called me and said, Hey, I just got a call about a condo in this area of my, of my market. And the house has a little bit of mold issues It it needs a cosmetic, uh, re, uh, you know, rehab. Are you interested in this? Like they want to sell it fast and they're willing to take a cash offer for less than they could get on the MLS. And she's like, frankly, with mold and, you know, as, as old as the house is or the condo, I don't really know what to do with it. And, and so that was an opportunity. I wasn't even necessarily trying to get her to send me deals, but because I just bought a house and she knew me and, and she, we had, got, had a conversation about what I do, she just thought of me and called me. Like, what if you did that on purpose? Like, what if you actually went out proactively and found realtors and, and took them out to lunch or sent them a, a nice letter or something, called them up and said, hey, I buy houses in any condition, any condition. 
And if you ever come across a house where you go to the appointment, you know, as a listing agent and you're like, oh my God, this house will never pass an inspection. Or, you know, it's just the furnace doesn't work. The air conditioner doesn't work. The roof is leaking. The, the foundation's falling apart. Like if you ever come across a property, that's just, it's just too bad. And you just, you don't think it's worth putting on the MLS because it never will sell or they need to sell it in three weeks. And you know, darn well, they'll never get it sold to somebody with a mortgage in three weeks. That's absurd, right? Call me. Like I, I will buy those houses for cash. There's no mortgage. I will not do an inspection. Like I can, I can buy it within days. Like start having those conversations. That's how you, you beat people by doing things that other people aren't willing to do. And most people are not willing to take the time to make those relationships. Some people are not willing to answer the phone when it rings. Right. And when it does, when you do answer the phone, when it rings and, and you talk to someone who's interested in selling their house, realize you have competition. They're calling those guys too. So when they say, how soon can you come out? And you go, let me look at my calendar. Uh, today's Monday. I could come out a week from Friday. You're not trying to get that deal. In fact, you're probably trying to lose it. You need to say, ma'am or sir, whoever you're talking to, what are you doing right now? I can come out right now, or I can come out tonight, or what are you doing tomorrow morning? I'll come out tomorrow morning. Oh, I can't do it tomorrow morning. That's too soon. What are you doing tomorrow afternoon? What are you doing tomorrow night? Like, get there, be there first, get the deal, lock it up on the first appointment and, and lock out your competition. Don't give your competition a chance to go there first. Like you get there and lock that thing up. Be fast. I, so my mentor uh, once told me the way that you beat, he, he wasn't talking about a hot real estate market so much, but the, the, the principle still applies. He said the way as a small real estate investor or a small real estate investing company, the way that you beat the big companies is to be faster than them. When you get a call, get on the appointment, get the contract. Bigger companies move slower a lot of times, even real estate companies. So in a hot market, be fast, get out there now, get the contract now, like be really, really responsive. That's one of the best things I can tell you about how to get deals in this environment. All right, guys, uh, that is all the questions for this week. We've gone about 50 minutes going on an hour. I appreciate all your questions. Remember, I'm here on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm here to answer your questions. I love we had some folks jump on, jump on some people that I knew actually it was kind of fun. Um, but ask the questions, come on and ask me live, send it to me throughout the week. I'll get them on here. Don't forget also, we talked a lot about tonight about getting deals, finding deals. How do you get deals? I need more deals, whatever. Finding and funding deals, the two biggest pain points in real estate. Remember what I told you about getting a contract with a seller? You figure out what it is they're struggling with. Figure out what their pain point is and solve it. I'm going to do that for you as a real estate investor. I know your pain points. Two of them, at least, I know are finding and funding deals. I want to solve that for you. Go to findandfundblueprint.com. Get involved. Sign up for the program. It's insanely cheap. I've paid more for dinner for my family. Go get it. It's four weeks. You get me. And I promise you, I will change your business and change your, your whole life over the next couple of months here. So go sign up. I want to see you on the inside and let's get some things done in 2021. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.